The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The football Friday here on Fantasy Sports Today, but that doesn't mean it'll hit on the NBA, the NHL, and Major League Baseball, and a little golf as well. Sports are back in the United States and Canada as well, and we are looking forward to covering it for you all fall long. I'm Craig Mish here on FST, and along with Joe Pizzapia, we certainly have you covered for the next two hours. Coming up a little bit later in the show, plenty of daily fantasy sports information. Joe's got a couple of good stacks to give out this weekend if you're playing. Also, Jim Sanis will join us later in the show. Uh, Howard Bender will join me a little bit later in the program, too. We've got week two of our super contest picks as well. But, Joe, first and foremost, it is Friday. It is great to be with you here. And for those of you who are watching us live here on Sports Grid on Fantasy Sports today, uh, Happy New Year. Happy Rosh Hashanah to everybody celebrating out there today. Of course, I am in a very different way this year. But nonetheless, I hope everyone has a sweet new year. Joe, good afternoon. I'm jealous of you, Craig. You get to start a new year sooner because 2020 has been terrible so I'm a little jealous now that I'm not a more religious person. So congratulations that you get to turn the page on 2020 sooner than everybody else. But what a fun game last night in the NFL. Everybody was complaining on social media. Oh, look, good, we're back for football. Yay, hooray. Oh, we get the Browns and the Bengals. Guess what? It was a really fun football game last night. I enjoyed it. They were scoring. Was it perfect? No, of course not. Was it entertaining? Hell yeah, it was. And I enjoyed every minute of it, and I enjoyed watching Joe Burrow, and uh, hopefully for Joe Burrow, get him a little bit more protection going forward. But Craig, I thought that was a very entertaining game there for a Thursday night, which a lot of people had low expectations for, but I was pleasantly surprised. How about you? Yeah, uh, definitely the case. My my wa- my evening watching was made up of a couple of different things, and and of course, being living in South Florida for many years, and being a former season ticket holder of the Miami Heat, and covering the Miami Heat for many years, I was definitely locked into the Heat and Celtics last night. So that was the number one priority for me. Uh, then the flipping back and forth was moving over to the Browns and Bengals. And, you know, that game was interesting from the degree that, yeah, and we'll get into the fantasy ramifications, but what, what kept bringing me back 
was the wagering a little bit. You know, that was really interesting. Now, the over hit right away, so that was pretty easy. But the uh, wondering if the Bengals were going to just, you know, cover, stick around, stick around. And, they just, you know, every time I would tune in, they just kept coming back, kept coming back, kept coming back. And, and that's a perfect example of a game that as juicy as a favorite will look in the NFL, no one would sit here and tell you this afternoon that Bengals deserve, or I'm sorry, the Bengals deserve to win that game. But that's why when you're laying points in the NFL, it's a dangerous proposition because a team can cover and make you money and certainly didn't deserve to win. Let's take a look at our headlines for today here on Fantasy Sports Today. And the Browns' final in that game was 35-30. to In fact, this thing went over before the fourth, and it's just great when that happens. You don't even have to worry about it. I'm not a very big over guy, but... That one just kind of reeked of that a little bit last night. Uh, yes, the Heat is up 2 nothing on Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. And at this point, Miami just has to win two of the next five games to advance to their first final since LeBron James left them many years ago. And it looks promising, I would say, at this point. Stanley Cup Finals also set the Tampa Bay Lightning back again. They'll face off against the Dallas Stars for the Cup, and we'll see that play out over the next couple of weeks. How about the New York Yankees? They just keep hitting. They hit five home runs in one inning last night. Not the game. One inning yesterday, including Stanton and LeMahieu. And, of course, the American League potential MVP now. Got to say it, Luke Voigt, right? I mean, Luke Voigt has got to be in that conversation. Another home run for him yesterday. And then one of the bizarre scenes that we've seen in baseball yesterday, Joe, was Josh Donaldson hitting a home run. And then as he crossed home plate, he kicked some dirt on the plate. He got thrown out. He kicked a little bit dirt, uh, more dirt on the plate. I have never seen that before. But as they say in baseball, if you watch a game, you'll see something you've never seen. That was something that I've never seen. No, me neither. But I'm so happy that I saw it because it was very entertaining. So good on you, Josh Donaldson. And I like that he went back for more after he was done. Because once you're out of the game, go back for more. Go get your money's worth. That's the old. Tommy Lasorda, Earl Weaver kind of style of doing things. And you're not wrong about Luke Voigt, too. If the Yankees end up, and they're just a few games out of first place, if they end up in first place, you could certainly make a very strong argument. And I'm sure in the media market of New York City, pushing ahead, there's going to be a very strong narrative out there for Luke Voigt getting some uh, some attention for that MVP award. And also, congratulations to the Chicago White Sox clinching a playoff berth for the first time since 2008. Congratulations, White Sox. This was a team that we were very high on coming into this season, whether it was long or short, and they have definitely hit expectations. I'm very excited for the White Sox, excited for all those fans out there. It's been a long while since this team was relevant, and uh, it seems like they have potentially uh, turned the page here, and they have a lot of talent coming through that system, too. This could be a team that could be very good not only this year, but the next few years as well. Yeah, and the Rays also clinched as well, so add them to the Padres and Dodgers. We'll be looking at them in the postseason. The Braves have a chance over the weekend to uh, clinch, and then we'll keep an eye on the American League as well. The postseason will begin in a little bit less than two weeks, so looking forward to having that, of course, on our slate as well. 16 teams will get in. For me personally, it's wondering if the Marlins are not just going to get in at this point, but how high can they get seeded? Uh, maybe they'll take on the Padres in the first round. Not optimal, but certainly that's where uh, it is looking right now as I cover that uh, baseball team. All right, uh, coming up next year on the show, we got our fantasy standouts. So we'll cover the game last night. We'll also look at Major League Baseball standouts and uh, touch on the Philadelphia Phillies a little bit, who, uh, by all accounts, should have the best record in the National League based on the way that they've played through six innings in every game. 
They just can't close any of them out. And it happened again yesterday. Joe Girardi talked about it. We're going to hear from him coming up next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. So make sure you stay tuned and stay on the grid. Joe and I will be back in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid as we cap off our week here on this Friday, September the 18th, 2020. We have postponements in college football. We're going to have to get to that in just a little bit. Florida Atlantic and my neck of the woods, about 45 minutes away from me, has postponed their game Saturday. And I know that there have been some others. So this is something, of course, in fantasy, in wagering, do not get too comfortable with what you're doing. College, pro, everything else, don't let your guard down for one second. If you have any money invested in fantasy and DFS, in season-long leagues, continue to watch and do what you do. And I got to say, I'm a little bit haphazard with that, too. I was thinking that, you know, I could just, you know, make some picks for Saturday and Sunday without even considering what's going on. And it's just a, a very good reminder that this is one year where you probably have to wait till the end to make your picks this year and, and all of your fantasy picks as well. Uh, all right, so, uh, Joe, last night, let's uh, let's get to the fantasy standouts in the NFL. And uh, simply put, we got a lot of uh, fantasy gold on Thursday night. Not for me, mm-hmm. of course, because I played against a couple of the guys in this game. Didn't expect that. Uh, but let's take a look at it here. Let's start off with Nick Chubb, who starts off our week with a 100-yard game. So we're already in good shape here with one guy with 100 yards, 22 carries, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. He was an absolute monster in this game. And guess what? The second half monster in this game was Kareem Hunt. I don't know where he was in the first half, but in the second half, he was an absolute beast. 10 carries, 86 yards, two receptions, and uh, just 15 yards there, but scored twice and was definitely a product of that offense clicking against Cincinnati, no doubt. Odell Beckham Jr. did not think he had another game like this in him, and and I have to wonder if this is a one-hit wonder, but he did show up yesterday. Four catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown, all the damage in the first half. Joe Mixon, quiet, 16 carries, 46 yards, four receptions for 40 yards, and uh, had a very, very unfortunate one yard out of the game, Giovanni Bernard in, taking a touchdown away from him. And if you didn't see it, that is the story with Mixon. He should have had a touchdown yesterday. Why? I don't know. Tyler Boyd, 7 for 72 in a touchdown. And as we talked about earlier, Joe Burrow, uh, Joe, 315 passing yards and three touchdowns. 
And dare I say, in that game yesterday, may have given him the confidence, Joe, moving forward in both reality and fantasy, because certainly he was a little shaky early on, a lot of pass rush on him. I don't think the Bengals are a very good team, but maybe similar to Kyler Murray and Arizona, who didn't win a lot of games last year, perhaps Joe Burrow could put up some of those same numbers. Yeah, you look good losing sometimes. Kyler Murray did at times last year. Joe Burrow did yesterday. Offensive line, not good for the Cincinnati Bengals. And they better be careful. We're doing protect investment here in Joe and figure out a little bit better protection schemes. If you don't have good personnel, well, you better get smarter here. There were a couple chip blocks that were missed as well. I watched a single snap of this game. It was smart. I watched a movie with the kids first, got everybody prepped and out of the way. They were then we should overall for the rest of the year, which was a good one. About it. Joe Burrow had a really good start to this game here. He had a nice almost eight-minute drive to open game, made a big fourth down play as well. And I was thinking, man, it looks like Joe Burrow and the Bengals are going to be in this game. And, and they were for the most part. But the defense for the Bengals, not very good. The offense for them, good enough. Uh, CJ Uzoma in this game is also um, out for the year now. Uh, unfortunately, he was yeah. actually playing really well, getting a lot of targets in this game, but he's going to be out with Achilles. Drew Sample, keep an eye on because he seemed to really favor the tight ends, as a lot of young quarterbacks tend to do at times. That's going to be an interesting name for those people who are hurting at tight end on the waiver wire going into next week. So we'll see uh, how that uh, unfolds over time. But Baker Mayfield and company, too, they started off really good. They ran a lot of play action, which I think is going to be the key for Baker Mayfield going forward in the Browns. He was four or five on the play action last night with a touchdown. That's what you got to do. You run Nick Chubb early, you wear down everybody, and you bring fresh Kareem Hunt for round two in the second half, and it's just not fair what this team is able to do. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, this is how Cleveland is going to be successful. And the one time that Baker Mayfield basically got reckless with the football, when he needed to not get reckless with the football whatsoever, he threw a pick. And it was a bad pick. It was a terrible pick. But that's the Baker Mayfield you need to go away. You need to have the guy who's running play action, making sure passes, making sure things, not getting reckless at the football. You can't do that at this level. Even with a Bengals defense, it's not very good. You just can't do that the way you did in college. He got away with it in college. You're not going to get away with it in the NFL. This is a much better version. Odell Beckham bounced back as well, but a great game for the two running backs. This is the identity of the Browns. Run the football, run the football, and then run the football some more, play some defense. And look, I think overall, like I said, a very entertaining contest. Yeah, it was a really good game. It's interesting. We've talked about uh, in the past with Winston and how Winston threw a lot of touchdowns and threw a lot of picks and how Brett Favre was exactly that quarterback. And it's interesting, like the narrative and, and everything that you're saying right now is accurate. Teams won't allow that anymore in the NFL. But it's just so strange because when Brett Favre was playing, this is exactly how he played. He played just like Baker Mayfield and he made a lot of mistakes and they won games. So it's just it's just really fascinating to see how the NFL has changed because I see so much of Favre in Mayfield, and I just wonder if he's got that next step. I don't know yet, but clearly with the running backs they have, we probably won't find out. Okay, now over to baseball from last night. We mentioned the Yankees hitting five home runs in one inning, and Luke Voigt hit his 20th of the season. This is a 60-home run season in a full year for Luke Voigt. We're probably not <laughs> going to get that this year. Maybe we'll get another 10, but the guy just doesn't stop hitting home runs. 
and is arguably one of the best stories of the baseball season for sure. John Carlos Stanton is also back with the Yankees. He had four hits yesterday and hit his fourth home run, so that's good news to see him. And, of course, many other Yankees had home runs. We need several graphics to get that done. We're not going to do it. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. had four hits, two home runs on the opposite side of the field for the Jays. Robinson Cano. Picked up two hits and a very big home run in their win over Philadelphia. He also drove in four runs. For the Phillies, Bryce Harper is just a man on an island right now. And uh, Bryce Harper, two hits, two home runs. He hit his ninth and tenth, three RBI. Stephen Brault, a complete game for the Pittsburgh Pirates, something that I didn't think that we'd see all year. Guess what? His only win of the season was last night. Nine innings pitch, two hits, an earned run, eight strikeouts. And then Framber Valdez, who's been a little bit up and down for Houston. We'll probably see him in the postseason a bit. Struck out 11 as Valdez has become someone I think that we'll be targeting in 2021 once things get back to normal. And that's where we stand, Joe, with baseball from last night. Yeah, and absolutely. Look, you know, the the, the story's got to be the Yankees right now. They're the one crushing it. And uh, Aaron Judge, sooner as well, they're getting the right. What a week makes that because two weeks ago, basically everyone's like, oh, the season's over, this is done, I can't, I can't get anybody on the field. Well, guess what? Everyone's getting on the field. Luke Voigt, Stanton, all these guys are doing a great job. So beware, everybody. The Yankees are back. Yeah, and Joe Girardi, after the game last night, ended up talking about his team blowing yet another game. They acquired Brandon Workman. Workman hasn't gotten it done. Girardi has no answers. Well, I, I think that, you know, we kind of find it hard to believe because Workman has been, you know, I, I mean, you look at the year that he had last year and what he's done in the bullpen the last couple of years has been really good. And he was throwing the ball okay when he got here. And um, it's just, it's, I think it's shocking to us that someone that's had that much success can, can struggle. And he's doing everything he can to figure out. I, you know, I see him trying new things, right? I, I, I do. And it's just like everything they get the barrel to goes out or is, is in the gap. And I feel for him because um, he's used to having success. And I think sometimes when guys go through this, it's, you know, it's, it's really difficult on them because we love this game so much and we have so much passion for this game and we care about winning and losing so much. So, you know, we got to continue to try to right the ship with a lot of these guys in our bullpen. Very surprising outcome for the Phillies. Uh, they are still right on the doorstep, Joe, of the postseason, and they can't get anybody out after the sixth inning. And all my years watching baseball, I've seen bad bullpens. I can't say that I've seen anything like this, where they literally have a lead in every single game and blow it. It's crazy. Oh, I just kind of laugh because Girardi's making it seem like this owner of air blowing saves. And, and, and all this Kirkman's almost got a four ERA for his career. With a whip well above 1.3, I mean, it's a nice pitcher, but come on now. He's got to defend his guy. That's what managers do. We'll take a quick break here on Fantasy Sports Today. Make sure you stay with us here on this Friday as we have some fantasy information to tell you next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. 
Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. What's going on? I am Greg Sussman, joined today by Jeremy Stein of Sports Grid. We're here to break down tonight's Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals. What's going on, Jeremy? Not too much. I'm looking for this to be a very close series. And I think, again, this is another one that can potentially go the distance. They've come back from 3-1 twice thus far. The Nuggets will look to get ahead for once here in Game 1 between uh, the Lakers and, of course, the Denver Nuggets. Let's begin with your MVP. And as we were just discussing before we turn the cameras on, there's a lot of different ways to build your showdown slate lineup tonight. So we'll start with the MVP, where you're going with Anthony Davis. And we're going to talk about all the major stars from this game in different positions. But I know you wanted to begin here with Davis as your MVP. Yeah, so my intention tonight is to kind of plant seeds on how to build lineups. You have a lot of valuable players that have very high price tags, and they can be used interchangeably at different positions. Obviously, you can't have all of the stars, so you have to be really creative. The one reason why I do like Anthony Davis in this spot is because he is going to attack the boards. There is nobody on the Nuggets that is capable of stopping him. He's going to go directly at Gage, and I think you're actually going to see him drop down into the five slot, which will put him at a huge offensive advantage. So this is a prime position for him, particularly because he is lower priced relative to the other stars. Lakers have already said they're going back to their bigger lineups with JaVale McGee, with Dwight Howard, because as you said, there's no one to stop them, right? Nikola Jokic cannot compete with these guys on the defensive side of the basketball, meaning Anthony Davis is in store for a really, really big time game tonight. And as you mentioned, he's priced, well, affordably compared to the other stars in this game, specifically Nikola Jokic and LeBron James. I'll get to them in a moment. 15,000 tonight for Anthony Davis, who's locked in as your MVP. If you want to go in a different direction, you want to spend up, well, the highest priced player on the slate is that aforementioned Nikola Jokic. Of course, the center for the Nuggets led his team in Game 7 twice, and now you like him in Game 1 against the Lakers. I think he's a very favorable matchup, and as we've seen in the past, a big portion of the offense runs through both him and Jamal Murray. One of the big question marks that I have is who is LeBron James going to put his primary focus on? He is the defensive force for that team. So we really need to get a better sense of who he's going to try to shut down on game one. And my best guess is that he's going to be attacking Jamal Murray more than he is Jokic. So that's why I like him better in this position. Jokic potentially in the more favorable spot, which is why you, if you're using Jokic, you're moving him up uh, to that star spot where you're getting one and a half times the value. 
You mentioned LeBron James, and you like him in the pro spot if you're going to wind up using LeBron. Why LeBron in this spot compared to where you had Jokic and where you had Anthony Davis? Uh, just talking about all the major stars here in this game. So if I had to lock in any star to any position, it would be LeBron James into this spot. He's going to have to do a lot on both ends of the floor. And remember, LeBron, father time catches all. He's getting up there age-wise, and I think that running deep into the playoffs will be a little bit taxing on him. So I think that they are going to be a little bit more respective of the minutes that he plays. But again, I just don't see a tremendous amount of upside coming from him. So I'm looking for him in this spot. In some cases, I actually might be okay playing him in the utility position, depending on how you want to arrange your team. Game one has not been kind thus far in the playoffs to LeBron James and the Lakers. We'll see if they can turn that around tonight. LeBron James is an interesting call uh, if you're putting him in the lineup at all. The final star that we definitely have to mention is Jamal Murray. We talked about who LeBron's going to be guarding, who he's going to go after uh, on offense. And Jamal Murray, of course, uh, has become a, a superstar throughout these NBA playoffs. If you're just tuning in, maybe think he's the best player in the NBA. That's how good uh, this young kid has been. Murray in a prime position. You like him as a utility player, though, if you're going to put Murray into your lineup. How come he's here compared to all the other players we've already spoken about? Really, because I think that LeBron James is going to be attacking Jamal Murray. Um, he's the primary ball handler, and the way that the Lakers are going to compensate for their deficiencies on offense is going to be by defense, which again is why I like LeBron in a lower multiplier role because he's going to be more defensive than he is offensive. So it's just going to be interesting to see what happens with Murray. And I think that utility is a good position for him until we get a better handle on what actually happens in the rotations after game one. Obviously, you can't get all four of these players into your lineup. So we just want to talk about the different ways that you can wind up building and where the best spots for each superstar are. You're going to have to build your lineup from scratch tonight. But it's fun because there's a lot of different directions that you could go in, a lot of different chances for you to win a whole lot of cash tonight. Jeremy Stein, we appreciate the time. Good luck this evening. Thanks. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of creative lineups tonight. I think that this is one of the more interesting series from a lineup building perspective, and I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, this is a little bit different than what we've been talking about, which makes it a lot of fun. We'll see where everyone kind of puts Jamal Murray, Anthony Davis, and the rest of these big time stars, as well as the peripheral players like Michael Porter Jr. and Rajon Rondo potentially in their lineups this evening. For Jeremy Stein, I'm Greg Sussman. Enjoy game one of the Western Conference Finals. We'll see you back here on Monday for another edition of the NBA Tip Drill. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today, with you here on Sports Grid. And thanks again to Jeremy and Greg all season long for giving us the information on the tip drill, helping out a little bit in DFS as well. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Sports Grid and go over to sportsgrid.com to catch all of our great programming. And uh, certainly, I think that it's very important for those of you who play fantasy football to pay close attention to what's going on this weekend. And that's what we're going to be doing as we discuss some players who potentially start and sit this week, Joe. And We'll wait on some injury answers, and I know that's really going to be the key for a lot of people, especially with Michael Thomas, who 
unsurprisingly, out of nowhere, Joe, all of a sudden has a glimmer of hope, quote, to play on Monday night. This is why you can't ever rule anything out in the NFL. I uh, hate to say that this seemed predictable, and my guess is he won't play in the game, but it just goes to show you that just when you think a guy is out, he is in. When you think a guy is in, he is out. you got to wait until the last minute. Yeah, but before we get to all that and the starts and sits, that's coming up in a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about stacks today and a little segment we like to call Stacking It Up. So what we're going to do is look at some of the maybe some of the pieces you want to put together on FanDuel that might work for a different kind of contest. And the first one here is Tennessee. Now, with some lack of clarity going on with the wide receiver position, we're going to kind of fade away from Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, even though there's definitely some value there. The health is a little bit in question. And yes, you can certainly get some exposure to those guys as well. But I think the safest and potentially the best value you've got on the board is actually Tennessee when you put Tannehill together along with Derrick Henry, who has a huge upside, a huge floor, a huge price. But Tannehill actually pairing them together kind of suppresses that a little bit, kind of marginalizes it. And if John Smith can catch another touchdown, be looked for and targeted again in that red zone, that's a very positive thing for his value. So that's a guy that you can look at as maybe fading away from the wide receivers and getting a little bit of the tight end, the running back, and the quarterback together. I think that should be something you do or in cash games because that little bit of a value you get at the tight end quarterback position allows you to go pay up for an Ezekiel Elliott or somebody else to pay up uh, along with that, maybe a Devontae Adams or someone like that. Uh, speaking of Adams, you're going to see him on this list as well in Green Bay. I think that's a very safe one in cash this week. Roger's going to probably not be owned as much. You'll get him. You'll get Aaron Jones and Adams together. Uh, it's a very safe play against Detroit. It's a very safe floor. I don't know if it's going to have the same kind of upside that it had last week. I don't think it's going to. But in terms of uh, being competitive, I think there's a lot of safety net there with them. And then, of course, Dallas, which is going to be very owned, Craig. But listen, when you got the Atlanta Falcons coming into town, when you're coming off a loss, you're back home, it's hard not to like Dallas this week. Prescott's going to probably have a very nice game here. Elliot, you know, is going to get a ton of action. Amari Cooper back on the field today. We just heard that news. That's very positive as well. So Dallas, Tennessee, Green Bay, all very much in play. This next one, though, is, is questionable, Craig, because it's about Pittsburgh and trying to figure out where to go with this because Connor also now back on the field, and that's going to muddy up the whole Benny Snell situation. A lot of people are very into Benny Snell, and I understand that because the price is very suppressed. However, Craig, at the same time, you have to understand that if there is any sort of timeshare between the two of them, that hurts everybody across the board. So instead of maybe going with Snell like a lot of people want to do, maybe you turn around and maybe you look for both those wide receivers because Juju with Ben Roethlisberger was terrific last week. It looked like it was normal. We saw two seasons. And Deontay Johnson had 32% target share and looked like an absolute monster in that second half of that game. So those are the stacks. I'm curious how your thoughts are about them, which ones are appealing to you, or maybe there's some that we haven't even talked about yet. Yeah, I, I think that there's some really good suggestions. I think Dallas will have an offensive bounce back, and so that's the one that really sticks out to me. I think that they probably should have put more numbers up than they could have. Uh, no doubt, listen, at, at some point you got to fade Jacksonville and understand that uh, you know the team at best is going to win six or seven games. They're going to have some clunkers, and so Tennessee certainly could do that. Uh, I like Pittsburgh. I just don't know what to really expect this week with them, not just from their perspective, but again, the way that Denver plays, they just don't really give the opponent a lot of opportunities to score and score often with that just slow, methodical running game that they use. And Denver's defense is actually pretty good. So uh, I'm not sure about Pittsburgh, although I do think that there's certainly that chance that they blow the doors off, off the Broncos this week. And then in terms of the Green Bay, 
I, I think that they certainly should look good again this week. I just don't know that I would expect the same outcome. So Dallas mm-hmm. for me, for sure. Tennessee would be second. And uh, then I'd go Green Bay third and maybe Pittsburgh fourth. Although it wouldn't surprise me to see Pittsburgh at the top of this list either. It's just, it's more dependent, I think, on the game plan of what the Broncos uh, go into this week. So that's for sure. All right, coming up next, we've got some start and sit players in fantasy. Some rookies are on the list this week. Maybe after a week of a little bit of playing time, they can kind of get to that next level coming up this week. We'll touch on that also a little bit later in the show. Jim Sanis from Number Fire is going to join us on the program. We're going to go over all of the opportunities that you could have over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. And while you're at it, go to our website, sportsgrid.com. Check out our YouTube page. We have all of the videos from all of our shows that we discuss, whether it is the early line, the morning after, Scott Farrell going coast to coast, Gabe Morency, all of our programs on demand over on our YouTube page. Check it out. We'll be right back here on Fantasy Sports Today. Early line. James Conner, who ended up leaving this game injured. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. In addition to questionable on Kenny Galladay and certainly more than questionable on Michael Thomas, the Jets in their practice report today really at this point looking like Jamison Crowder not going to play this week against the San Francisco 49ers. So what does that mean? It means two key offensive weapons that the Jets have are out, and certainly the 49ers have their fair share of injuries as well. The line is currently sitting at about six and a half, seven on the side of San Francisco being a favorite there. So, Joe, because of injuries, there's a lot of decisions that are going to have to be made this week by people that didn't think that they had to make them so early on in the season. But that is indeed, of course, the NFL. And we're going to run through some running backs at the start of this segment today and give people the opportunity to view some potential options to start or sit. Yeah, and look, that Crowder news is huge, especially because the Jets are already behind at running back, and now they're behind a wide receiver, not to mention the 49ers are behind a wide receiver. There's a lot of bodies out there that are hurt, not playing, and it's only week two, so it's very important we get this all together. And we can start here with Zach Moss over the Buffalo Bills. Good matchup for him against Miami. I prefer this way more as a flex uh, spot there in a standard I do in a full point PPR, but Moss does have some appeal. Well, again, I want to give the doubt last week. Thing. Uh, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins. This is a big one right now. A lot of people are debating because the Dobbins had the two touchdowns. Uh, that would be an interesting scenario there for him. But Mark Ingram is going to get uh, leaned on back, and I think you're going to see a massive overcorrection. What do you think about Mark Ingram's chances of maybe getting back into the good graces here in Baltimore? Because I think I would start him this week. Yeah, I think that Dobbins' touchdowns were more just a little lucky than anything else uh, and being in the game at the right time. And and I thought that it was really interesting to hear comments from, uh, I, don't, I believe it was Greg Roman, I think, after, after the game and maybe on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, Greg Roman didn't have to say what he did. And I found it interesting that he did. And I don't think it's any indictment on J.K. Dobbins at all. 
But I think what it is, is it shows you that the respect that they have for Mark Ingram. This guy's been a veteran in the league for a long period of time. And at the very least was a guy always that you could give the ball to on the goal line and he would get in on line. He was a great one-yard, two-yard guy. I think that a little bit of a, a subtle message was sent there that, hey, look, we're still going to have Mark Ingram very involved in the game plan. It's just on a week-to-week thing. Uh, I don't know about starting him this week. I, I, I mean, look, I own him in a league, and I'm very disappointed with what I saw in week one. But I do think that he will have his day, and I don't think that it's Dobbins' job uh, to lose at this point. I think it will be a split. Yeah, I think you can start Mark Ingram in this game in particular, uh, just from watching how <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Alaire just ran amok all over the place. And uh, he had a very good game last year as well against Houston. And I, I think you will see a little correction. Week two is usually a time for correction. Week one, a lot of weird things happen. But for me, I think Ingram, you can start as a flex. RB to deeper league, maybe you can get away with if you really need to, if you've had some injuries already or some lack of clarity there. I'm going to sit Dobbins, though. I, I want to wait and see a little bit. I know people are going to be apt. To want to get in there, and but I think you're going to hold off there. Uh, DeAndre Swift and Adrian Peterson, this is another duo that a lot of people are having trouble with, Craig. Uh, for me, after what you saw last week, it's hard not to imagine they're going to go on the road and probably lean on Adrian Peterson pretty heavily. So as a flex RB, I think you could start him. I'd prefer not to start DeAndre Swift uh, just because I think you want to give him a bit more time to get acclimated. So he's going to be a sit for me if you have that luxury. But Peterson as a flex RB... I would imagine, you know, going into Green Bay, the game plan's got to be something like, let's keep Aaron Rodgers and company off the field. They put up 40 points last week. You know what? Maybe we should just kind of do our best here to try to, to, you know, run the football, run the clock, play a little ball control. And I think Adrian Peterson fits pretty well into that role, especially on the road there as a veteran. Yeah, I was stunned that Kerryon Johnson didn't play almost at all, and I think that is coming this week. I think he's going to play a little bit. I, I can't see them just completely punting this guy. I'm not saying he's going to get 10 carries, but he didn't get a carry until the second half, and maybe it's just me throwing a dart here, and I don't think that Kerryon Johnson's going to have a great game, but I think that he shouldn't be forgotten, and I, and I feel like he'll be part of the game plan in some way this week, in my opinion. And the last one is Josh Kelly, which I know had a very good game last week, but I'm a little skeptical of the game script here in this one. And I think the game script is going to be they're going to find, I think you're going to see a massive overcorrection in terms of the situation of Austin Eckler getting involved in the pass game, just one target. That's not going to hold up two weeks in a row. That's not a guy that you were living and dying with last year. So I don't care what the coaches are saying. It would be incredibly odd to see Austin Eckler not get more involved in the passing game. And if so, that means probably also they're going to be behind in this game. So that's not a great look for Josh Kelly. Now, look, Kelly could surprise again. Maybe he's the guy at the goal line. We'll find out. But I think it's really good to own him and have him as an asset right now on your bench. I prefer not to start him in a deeper league as a flex. Okay, maybe you can. But for me, I think this is going to be a heavy Austin Eckler game. And I think you're going to see a correction from last week's one target for sure. Yeah, I think that uh, Kelly is an interesting guy for me because uh, if he would have basically been in the NFL draft a couple of years ago, he would have went a lot higher than he did his final year. And he just he didn't really, I think, live up to the expectations that people had for him at UCLA. And sometimes when, when that happens, it's like you're sleeping on a guy to a degree. And Eckler has never been one to carry the entire load. It's always There's always been someone right. else there. Uh, Eckler is the guy to own, and he's the guy to start. It wouldn't surprise me to see Kelly get better as the season goes on. It also wouldn't surprise me if he becomes like a Benny Snell, where we have to wait a year or two 
And then all of a mm-hmm. sudden he uh, he takes over. Reminds me a little of Michael Turner, uh, same place with the Chargers, oh, maybe yeah. you know, that that kind yeah. of guy years ago. Yeah. Where you where you need yeah. another one there. You like you need a Tomlinson too. But it's like reminds me a little bit of that combo when uh, when Turner was uh, coming up with the Chargers initially. Good fantasy back there for a couple of years too. All right, uh, let's take a look at wide receivers, Joe. Here and here are some possibilities for the week. We'll have C.D. Lamb, the rookie of the Dallas Cowboys, taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Darius Slayton. You know, certainly, I don't see how you can sit this guy after last week uh, at the at the Chicago Bears. Traquan Smith, you cannot convince me to start him no matter what at Las Vegas. Jerry Judy, Denver will play Pittsburgh, and then look, Will Fuller, he's he's healthy, so he's you know essentially the number one wide receiver for Houston. So I, I think probably two or th- three of these guys, just due to inefficient players that you've had or injuries, are are going to have to start. Yeah, look, I'm with you. I don't think Traquan is a start. I think he's a sit. I think. A lot of people are going to be throwing him out there no matter what happens with Michael Thomas because people are saying, oh, well, you know, the, you know, addition by subtraction. And that's a big load of nonsense. That's just lazy fantasy, and I hate that. Uh, you're going to see Emmanuel Sanders get more and Cook get more and Kamara get more. It doesn't necessarily mean Trey Smith's going to have all of a sudden 10 targets in this game. He could, but it's not something you want to bank on. Some of the other guys on this list I think are bankable. Uh, I would imagine Denver's going to be playing from behind in this one, and, you know, as Decent as the Denver defense can be sometimes, I still think without Von Miller, it's not the same unit. And I do think they're going to get exposed on the road by Pittsburgh. And I think this is going to be in a spot there, too, depending on Colton Sutton's health or Jerry Judy's going to have to see some targets. So if you need a flex guy or, or a third wide receiver there, and you, you could do worse than Jerry Judy this week, Will Fuller is an absolute start for me. He's healthy. You start him. You know why? Because he scores touchdowns, period. And speaking of scoring touchdowns, same can be said for Darius Slayton, who last year, that's what the guy did all season. I think he has a great week one. And everyone's like, oh, I got to go run to pick up this guy. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, you're not watching last year? Because Darius Slayton was tremendous last year as a rookie. I mean, really, the guy did nothing but perform time in and time again. And I think this one, he's got opportunity. Oh, look, is it going to be as good as it was last week? Probably not. But can you start him? I think you can. I think you should. And CeeDee Lamb's another guy I think you have to start this week, too, uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. That defense is just not good. That secondary does not tackle anybody. And CeeDee Lamb showed you out of the gate. Not only was he in step with Dak Prescott, which is huge, but he also showed you all the little things and the intangibles that made him such a great player in college already in week one. And I think that's very exciting here going into week two. And I think CeeDee Lamb's a guy you can start regardless of of how much you might like Cooper or Gallup or everybody else in this game because, look, it's got a pretty high total, and I think we can expect it to maybe hit it or even go over it. Yeah, and and I have, in a league, I have Chris Godwin, and I also have CeeDee Lamb, and it's just a natural sit and play for me, and I think that that is my plan going in in one of my leagues this week. today. Just so you know, Craig, Godwin is practicing today. I just Like I said, I'm going to sit CeeDee Lamb, and I'm going to play Godwin and uh, reverse everything I just said. <laughs> well, right. look, but that doesn't mean look. Just because he's practicing today, uh, the the scary part, and this is it's a great point here. Before we go to the next one, because whenever you're in concussion protocol, we all know it's that one little hit or the one extra thing where they pull you right away, and and they should. It's the right thing to do, but there's a huge risk even starting a guy who's in concussion protocol. No matter how good or he gets on the field late, in pra- I mean, you kind of wait and see what what maybe Saturday's news is, but. It's a little scary when you think about it because you know that one hit, that one moment, boom, he's going to be out of that game, even if it's questionable. All right, let's move over to quarterbacks and tight ends as we close this conversation out here. And, uh, you know, some options potentially for you. Back end starter, Tom Brady. Is he a QB1 this week against Carolina? 
We'll have that discussion. Carson Wentz of Philadelphia against the Rams. Cam Newton has to go to Seattle. Rob Gronkowski for Tampa Bay against Carolina. And uh, and on the flip side, we got O.J. Howard. So I, I, I suppose it will probably endorse one of these and not the other. So here here is the one thing that I would say going into the weekend, uh, Joe. If I'm not mistaken, uh, New England-Seattle is a night game. Am I correct by saying that? Correct. Is that Sunday night or Sunday Monday night? game. Sunday night game. That's yep. Sunday night. Now, now I, what? here's what I don't get. Now, again, the NFL is different, and they're going to handle things differently. But Major League Baseball has moved all of the games out of Seattle and moved them to a different location. So, I mean, is there any concern at all that they got to move this game or not play this game? Because I don't want to get caught giving out advice here on playing guys in this game, and then they don't even play at all. Well, retractable roof, right, in Seattle? So I guess that's the difference between them and... Although, Seattle, I mean, I guess Mariners have it too, right? They have retractable roof over at Safeco, or what used to be Safeco. They I, do. I can't keep track of yeah. everything. Uh, it, it's it's the same question, maybe because it's a couple of days later. Have they canceled or moved everything for the entire weekend already, Major League Baseball, for Seattle, or just yes. this past week? Yes. So everything already is gone. No, they- it's, it's a great question. I think it's an important one, and it's something we should all be following and paying attention to. You're not wrong. So I guess theoretically is the only thing we could talk about now. And theoretically, I think Cam Newton is that offense. I think he's going to wherever they play. He's going to run the football. He's going to have a lot of touchdown equity down by the goal line. It's hard not to like him in that game. I loved Tampa coming into this week, and then with the injuries and all the other stuff, I was getting a little antsy. By the end of the week here with the Godwins, maybe trending direction to make me feel a little bit better. I think I'm going to sit both of the tight ends. I just think that you're going to flip a coin. You're going to be miserable by one way or another. Uh, but I think that what I'd love to see, even if I do have OJ Howard roster or both, is just a little clarity. If OJ Howard goes out there and has a good game and catches another touchdown, then I think if you have Gronk on that roster too, you drop him. Or, or if he's out there on the waiver wire, you drop Gronk and you pick up OJ Howard and you just move on. If Gronk all of a sudden steps back in, then I think it tells you it's just going to be kind of throw your hands up the rest of the year. So I would prefer not to be starting either one of those guys. In terms of Carson Wentz, this one I struggle with because Carson Wentz is a QB1. And for my money, uh, with Johnson back, with Miles Sanders back, I think at home you have to start him. I really do. I think I actually feel better about starting Carson Wentz than I even do about Brady because Brady looked like he was still trying to figure out, get on the same page with everybody. And, uh, and yeah, Carolina is an easier matchup, but at the same time, there's still a learning curve there for everyone. So I think I would actually prefer Wentz over Tom Brady this week. If that was a choice you had to make, which way would you go? Yeah, I would make, I would make the same choice. The other part of it, too, is that Carolina, a, a lot of the damage that they had done to them last week was on the ground. So I, I think Ronald Jones and maybe Fournette are a big part of that game plan this week, and maybe that's the way the Buccaneers end up handling it. They have two banged-up wide receivers and two elite wide receivers. Maybe they take it easy on them, and they probably don't need to really expose the two of them to win this game. It could be closer than people think, but should be a win, I would think, for the Bucks. We'll be back with more here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
This weekend, make sure you get yourself on to the FanDuel site, whether it's the wagering side or the DFS side, and check out all of the different options and opportunities they have for you. Of course, someone is going to be a millionaire after the weekend playing on FanDuel on the DFS side, and Jim Sanis is going to join us a little bit later. We're going to go through player-by-player, position-by-position on some potential uses this weekend. But, Joe, certainly you'll be involved in the DFS action this weekend, and when you are, who will you be using? Well, look, you're always looking for value because you're going to need it, especially the running back position this week when you have guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Derrick Henry, all very good matchups. So where are you going to save some money? We already talked about that stack in Tennessee. Well, let's talk about the quarterback in Tannehill. Uh, I think is a very good value there at 7K versus Jacksonville. I mean, there's no way about that. He's just a good value. But he can actually get out of the pocket as well and run around a little bit. Austin Eckler, I, I think there's going to be a little bit of a revert. I know it was a very disappointing week one. I wouldn't get too hung up on it. Uh, I think what you do is you just look forward to saying, hey, you know what? You chalk it up. It's a road game. You get back home. Yes, of course, the Chiefs are going to be scoring points on them. But that's a good thing because that means Austin Eckler is going to have to catch the football and they're going to have to get aggressive there on offense. And hopefully Austin Eckler will correct. But the price has certainly gone down enough as well. 6.9 is a very nice value for him against Kansas City. Then, of course, you got Robert Woods at 6.7. This one's going to be on the road at Philadelphia. Woods looked really sharp in the on Sunday night uh, looked like the go-to guy again and that is very important here for that Rams offense and look the Eagles secondary is not the greatest in the world we could say that and last but not least Logan Thomas now Logan Thomas is the uh, for those of you who still don't know who he is is the tight end over there for Arizona big body guy got a ton of targets last week now Arizona struggled mightily last year against the tight end my guess is they're going to struggle mightily against the tight end all year because well, trends like that tend to tend to keep going year over year. He's a terrific value here with the amount of target share that he got in that offense at 4.7. There's worse on tight ends that you can have. So those are your values on FanDuel going into week two this Sunday. And we'll touch on that again in hour two of Fantasy Sports Today. So make sure you keep it right here to Sports Grid because we've reached the end of the first hour, but we have 60 more minutes to go. Stay tuned to us because coming up next, we'll have our headlines in Fantasy Sports cover the DFS angle, and wagering as well. Joe Pizapia and Craig Mish, we're back in just two minutes. Stay on the grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.